everybody, get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an episode of Foodie and the Beast with me, Nikki Nellis. David Nellis is off today, so I am taking the reins without him. I would like to say he's doing it because it's Father's Day, and I'm giving him a break for being such a wonderful father to his five children and his three grandchildren. But, um, well, I guess he is being a great father because he's schlepping his grandchildren to the airport, and that's why he's not with us here today. Um, David and I have been out all week. We were at the beach eating all the food that goes with being at the beach, like donuts from Fractured Prune and... Fisher's popcorn and all the flavors, Coors ice cream and some other kind of ice cream. But of course, we hit the good restaurants, too. We did go to Blue Moon, one of our favorites, and caught a drag show, uh, which is one of our favorite things to do. And um, we went to a new restaurant called Splash. I think it needs to get its legs first before you go ahead and check it out. But great things going on at the beach. It was kind of quiet there in Fenwick, so we really had a good time. And I'm looking forward to a great show today. So first of all, you should go to the list, areyouonit.com, the online e-zine that tells you everything happening in the D.C. metro area. Uh, for example, do you know about all the restaurants that have opened in the past week? Hi-Fi Tex-Mex Barbecue, that's the neighborhood restaurant group, people. They've opened up in Del Rey. June a Persian restaurant finally has opened up in Tyson's and Philip by Philip Chow has opened at the wharf. Very glitzy, very fancy, very excited. And on the show today, Kitchen and Cocktails by Kevin Kelly's. It has also just opened its doors. Now, let me tell you what's going on on the show today. Uh, we are going to get some cocktail shaking. I am so excited because Eileen Vaughn, who's the general manager at Il Piatto, is joining us. She has got some great things up her sleeves, and I can't wait to hear about them and how she got into the cocktail game. Um, getting into Le Diplomat can be really, really, really hard unless you know somebody like Eva Torres. Eva Torres has been uh, a part of Le Diplomat for quite a while now as the general manager. Oh, my God. She's the director of restaurants. Uh, Eva Torres is here in studio with us. We're going to talk about the 10-year anniversary of Le Diplomat and how it's been able to do all those things within the 10 years. And then I'm going to be talking with Mugge Malate, that's Dalton Cress, and these fabulous mezcals coming from Oaxaca. And as I mentioned earlier in, in my intro here, Kevin Kelly is in studio with us. He has just launched his kitchen and cocktails this week here in D.C. He has them in other places, so it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. But I can't wait to get the 411 on this restaurant, his group, and what he's doing. Because this guy's got his fingers in a lot of pots. So, Eileen, let's get to you. Hi there. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Can we talk a little bit about Il Patio and what's happening over there? Absolutely. Il Piatto is located at 916th Street, so right on the corner of Black Lives Matter and 16th, so a block from the White House. Right. Excellent location. Absolutely. 
We are having a lot of fun with a bunch of different cocktails because mm-hmm. it is summertime, so we needed to shake things up a well, little bit. Well, also, you have that gorgeous patio, correct? Yes, right? absolutely. Gorgeous. Um, it fits about 80 people out there, and mm-hmm. it is perfect for dining, having a private party, having some cocktails, right? happy hour. You can't get it out on the patio, but you can definitely get it at the bar head out to the patio and have dinner. Well, so let's talk a little bit about your background. How did you get into cocktails? Because it's not something everybody does. It is not, actually. I am born and raised Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) So I um, started, it's like all of us. We start where we have these ideas, crazy ideas in our head, started in the industry. And I was like, okay, these cocktails are great. Well, I think I have a great idea. I'll get a lyric from a rap song and i'll be like yeah let's play um play with that play with that name play Uh with that and see what we can do so i've done princess peaches on my list right now Uh i had my um fabulous felicia she is our party private party manager Uh uh-huh and she's like hey i had a dream about princess peach i think we should probably wait what is what is princess peach what is it from super mario brothers oh yes sorry I guess that's something I should she know. She almost came in an outfit today. Oh, my God. That would have been, <laughs> would have amazing. been amazing. All right, Eileen, so what yes. is in a Princess Peach? Princess Peach. So we have um, fantastic peach vodka, lemon juice, simple syrup, and then we top it with Prosecco because every princess needs some Prosecco. They need a little bit of bubbles. Right. Okay, I'm here for it. All right, while well, you're getting that made up for us, Fabulous. I'm going to bring in my first guest. Perfect. Hi, Eva. Hello. It's so nice to meet you face to face. I know. We've, we've emailed a good amount. We have emailed a good <laughs> amount with me begging and pleading for things. So <laughs> it's very nice to meet you. So let's talk a little bit of how you got into the industry. I started, so I'm from New York. I grew up in Washington Heights uh-huh. um, and started bartending. I think I was 20. Uh, okay. In the Lower East Side. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and just saw my way through bartending into serving into managing and eventually went to culinary school at the Institute of Culinary Education. Cool. And and continued and then ended up opening a Lebanese restaurant, Ilili, which is now here. Oh, which is now here yeah. and is delicious. Yeah, it is, it is really so great. So wait, when you opened up Ilili, I know we're not supposed to go down this road, yeah. but when you opened up Ilili, were you in the back of the house or the front of the house? I was the front of the house. Okay. I opened it as a GM um, and was with them for about So wait, 10 did years. you go to school to be in the front of the house? Yes. Okay. I, so I, while I was in culinary school, I, I did a work-study program that they had. So mm-hmm. I managed their proteins department. So I would bring in, you know, process all, order and process all the proteins from meat, fish, everything else mm-hmm. for all of the classes. And okay. And it just... I, I really wanted to understand the the dynamics of dealing with vendors, you know, really what was happening oh, party in the back studio. Of the house. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, to be able to really holistically be able to do my job. Well, so you sound like a really organized person. It sounds like you like processes, you like putting things in places, yeah. you like everything where it belongs, right? Yeah, I think I want to see your closet. I want to see your closet. It's not great. There's balance. There's places where you've got, you have order in your life and then you allow a little bit of non-order in Mm -hmm. other parts of your life. Right. There's a good amount of that in my life. Um, Thank you. That's beautiful. But I I do, yeah, I do enjoy, I do enjoy systems and processes Mm -hmm. where we all know what it is that we're doing and when we're doing it. Well, and actually it's so important 
that you have those systems and processes in place in running a restaurant like Le Diplomat. Yeah. So now what brought you down to Le Dip? Because you you didn't come down when it was open, no. right? Which was a madhouse. I, that, I've heard a lot about that opening. It was a, Wait, let me just tell you. When Le Dip opened, yeah. uh, I can't remember the name of the woman who worked with Steven Starr. I don't know if she still does. Maybe, um, maybe Michelle Evans. Maybe Michelle. It. And she was like, so we're going to be open breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, just give us a couple days. We're gonna be we're gonna be open breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And she's like, "Will you be here? Because we're very concerned about breakfast." I was like, "I'll live here. Don't ask me twice." <laughs> and then, because they were churning out so much for dinner, just for dinner, the bread alone, they didn't open up for breakfast or lunch for like four years. Oh yeah, it wasn't until I joined. At, in 2017 that we actually did, did lunch. Right. And with that, we just added, you know, Fridays. Um, right. And then after the pandemic, during the pandemic, we did lunch. Uh, thank you for the cocktail. Yeah, a little cocktail to get things going. Totally um, with you. Until the pandemic. And then we did um, lunches five days a week. Right. Yeah. But can we talk about the bread? Because I feel like, because for people who don't know, the diplomat, uh, the space was a dry cleaners, yeah, and everybody in the city, all the restaurateurs, everyone was looking at that space. Everybody wanted it, mm-hmm. but because it was a dry cleaners, and it was like a dry cleaners from like the fifties, it was decrepit and it needed so much money. And Stephen Starr, you know, gave it to town, pom pom pom, and said, <laughs> "I got, I'll raise you." So he gutted it and really made it look like it's always been here, which is the beauty of it. Yeah. But the interesting part about it is, is that. The kitchen could not accommodate the amount of bread that had to turn out. So can we talk about that a little bit? It's, I mean, the the bread is, I I don't feel like I'm biased, but I think it's some of the best bread in D.C. Oh, without Uh, a doubt. DMV, totally. Um, That um, that nut? The um, cranberry walnut People it's are like pudding. obsessed with it. Because it's yeah. like pudding. Yeah. I could just go there and eat that. Have you had the chicken curry sandwich with that bread for lunch? It's pretty, it's, no. I'm not really a, a fruit in my in my bread person, but that sandwich, that bread with the makes chicken sense. curry is really, really delicious. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Can I tell you my favorite thing on the menu? And I don't know why. I feel like, I feel like when I found it. I found like a little, like Princess and the Pea. I found like a little, like something that nobody knew about. Mm-hmm. And that's the lobster freeze. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's really rich. It's really, that's it's like, so that's my dish. Yeah. That is, and it's only on the dinner menu, right? Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah, it's delicious. I, my favorite is the ravioli. I, ravioli. Nobody, and nobody ever orders it, and I love it. Okay, what is it? How it's, do I not we, know we, it? We have, like, we hand make the pasta. Ricotta mm-hmm. ravioli with just a really nice um, pomodoro sauce, and it's absolutely delicious. It's my favorite. Okay, now I'm gonna have to get that the next you time. Should. I'm and gonna you should. You have to have get it as an entree. I was gonna say I'm gonna get it as a side yeah. to go with my lobster freeze. It's delicious. Okay, so let's talk about Le Dip as a whole. Ten years in, that place still burns and churns. It's always got a crowd out front. Can we talk about how you run a restaurant that turnover is like, let's just talk about, especially on a Saturday where you open at like what, 11? 9.30. Oh, I must, <laughs> I must swore on air. Um, so you open up at 9.30 and you yeah. close at what? Uh, so last call is about 1.15. Okay. So can we talk about a restaurant that is literally busy from the moment it opens yeah. to the moment it closes? How, how, what is the process to handle all that from the front of house side? 
I, I mean, there's there's so much. Everything that happens to, to do that happens well before we open. Um, our GM, Peter Cole, who's who's also been Who with I adore. Yeah, Peter's awesome. He, um, he's been with us also for six years. He, I think he started maybe a month or two before me. Um, he, he is a very detail-oriented person, mm-hmm. right? And anyone that's in And he's been role, in the biz a long time, too. I yeah. know him from previous places. He is a D.C. You know, native or mm-hmm. a native of the area. Yes. You know, D.C. Mm. directly. Um, it's about attention to detail, communication, making sure everybody knows where they're supposed to be um, mm-hmm. and how long they're supposed to be there. Who is their support staff? Who's their manager? Um, where they're going to be in the next hour? Uh, so let's say brunch on a Saturday. How much staff is running the restaurant at that point? Because I think the layperson, you know, with all the sort of things going on right now in the restaurant world, there's a lot of like questions. Yeah. And, you know, um, and Andy has certainly heard me say this before. There's a huge misconception in the restaurant industry that, because people love restaurants, they understand the business of restaurants, yeah. and they do not. So I'm sort of curious, how many people, like r- for brunch today, how many people are running? So we'll start with the managers. There's usually about five to six managers okay. that will run the shift. Mm-hmm. Then you've got about 18 to 21 servers okay. um, that are here, uh, like on site. Then yeah. you've got about 15 to 20 bussers, mm-hmm. and then you've got about eight to 10 runners. Um, and then you've got three baristas um, and then polishers. Um, and that can be about five or six polishers. Polishers? Um, to polish all your silverware and your glasses before they get to your table. Because there's so much turnover, right? Yeah. You've got to clean it up, yeah. get it back out. Yeah. Okay, wait. On that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Let's do it. This is Nikki Nellis, David Free. We'll be back in just a sec. You know, Nick, back in the day when I worked for Hex, the Hex Warehouse is over on uh, New York Avenue. And we hated being sent over there to do stuff because there was nowhere to eat for lunch. It was a wasteland. Well, not anymore. So the Ivy City area has exploded. And, you know, the very first restaurant over there was the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. Now, this is a great neighborhood restaurant, but it's also a destination restaurant. First of all, they smoke all their seafood, and that is incredible. But it also is a huge kitchen that does amazing dishes, fresh seafood, great burgers, the whole deal. But the space is what you really need to check out. An amazing outdoor patio where you want to sit and have cocktails. They do live music there all the time and other live shows. And there is a great event space. So if you're looking for a place to hold a wedding or have a party, you definitely want to check out the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. Well, it's uh, about 20 years too late, but now I have a good reason to go over to Ivy City and the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. And we're back on Foodie and the Beast with Nikki Nellis. David's taking a little Father's Day break today. Uh, I'm talking with Eva Torres of La Diplomat fame. Um, we were talking about what it takes to run a restaurant like La Diplomat. Um, what do you credit its continued success and allure to? Because it's a 10-year-old restaurant. I mean, it's pretty and it's, you know, the space is great, but there is a vibe, a buzz. I mean, it's still a desired reservation. That's that's a lot for a ten year old restaurant. Yeah. What do you, given your time in the industry, what what do you think about that? We work really hard on consistency, mm-hmm. not only consistency consistency in food, but consistency in ser- consistency in service and hospitality. Mm. Um, 
it doesn't matter who you are. You're, you are the featured guest of the night. Mm-hmm. That is how we treat our guests when they walk in the door. You will have the same omelet that you had last year mm-hmm. for brunch tonight for dinner. It will taste the same. It'll be the same texture. It'll have the same amount of cheese, the same amount of bean herbs in it. That consistency is what brings people back, and they know what it is that they're going to get. They know when they walk in the door, they're going to see a server smiling at them. The host will be greeting them. They will be brought to their table in a timely fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when it does go wrong, we are there to fix it. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not perfect. No no one in this industry is perfect. I think what makes us who we are is how we recover from from our mistakes and our faults mm-hmm. um, and we we know how to how to do that rather well um, and don't we don't brush it under the rug we deal with it well and listen I feel for the hostesses or hosts um, because you know there are people coming in for reservations there are people coming in for the bar and then there are people who are coming in as walk-ins I'm sure they get a raft of poop because you know nobody likes being told no. So what kind of, how do you handle that with them? How do you help them be gracious? Because it's not easy to it's deal not. with that. It's not. It's hard. I mean, you look, we, we have uh, Saturday and Sunday brunches where we'll, we'll have guests that have sat down at a table from 930 to 3 o'clock. It'll be about anywhere between 900 to 1,200 people. That doesn't include the people that didn't actually get to dine with us, that went to the bar mm-hmm. um, or, you know, came in, found out the long, the wait was a little too long and leaves. So they're processing a good and a kind of an, an amazing amount of people in that time. Right. It's it's about making sure that they feel supported, you know, yes. and the communications there. Daily updates of where their tables are, not daily, minute by minute updates. I would imagine. Um, on where their tables are. Um, and I think... One thing that I I think that it's taken our industry a very long time to understand is that people need to be feel supported to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. I think for a long time we've just kind of thrown people into positions and said, "Figure it out," you know, mm-hmm. sink or swim, uh, and that that's happened a lot. That's happened to a lot to me in my my life, my career, um, and we don't do that. We mm-hmm. make sure that they feel supported. They know that if they need any assistance, that we're here. It is a strength to ask for help. It is not a weakness. Mm. Um, and uh, that's what creates success for the individual. They will enjoy doing their job at that point rather than being like feeling inadequate. <laughs> you know, they feel very adequate that they can do their job and we empower them in that way. Well, I that is a, a, a shift in the industry, especially in the last, I would say, 10 to 20 years 100%. that, you know, it. Everybody keeps talking about staff shortages in the industry. And to me, because um, it's a huge cause I'm behind, I work a lot with RAMW. I'm mm-hmm. seeing the Rami finalist. Nice. So exciting. Yeah. Um, but um, to me, being in the restaurant industry is a, is a career. Mm-hmm. And there is a real way to make money and be, you know, find your passion and make it your profession. Yeah. Um, but you need the things you just talked about. You need to feel supported by the people who are hiring you and hopefully raising you up. Yeah. You know, like my favorite stories from the industry is when you hear like about somebody who started as a dishwasher and now they own five restaurants, yeah. you know, because the industry helped raise them up. But we have also certainly heard lots of stories of where the industry just 
destroyed people. Right, yeah. exactly. So yeah. finding that balance is great. Okay, let's talk about some of like the secret things at La Diplomat. I'm so see what I can actually talk about. Okay, well, so <laughs> I'm going to tell you my little secret place, okay. my favorite place to sit. Oh, I know where it is. You know where it is. Yeah. I feel like if you're having an affair, this is where you should go. But I'm not having an affair, but I'm just saying. <laughs> if you did. If you did. Yeah. If you wanted to have an affair, it's the little tiny what is it, a service bar? What is yeah, that space? So it's the back bar. Okay. It's our back bar in the Lorangerie, um, which is kind of that greenhouse room. Um, mm-hmm. We have a small bar with two bar stools on there. Right. Um, and like there's barely enough space there for food. Yeah. But I love that yeah. seat. Marjorie likes that. Marjorie. Um, Meek Bradley. Yeah, she loves it. I get that. As well. um, it's it's a, it's. When you can get it, it's a special seat. Right. But I don't think even people know about it. Do you know what I mean? I'm always like, is there anybody sitting over there? And we've talked about it a couple of times with press and still kind of, it's not caught on. Okay. well, (laughs) Which is nice. Okay. And I'm going to say, let's not let that one catch on (laughs) because I like that seat. It's my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And for people who have not been to La Diplomat, which I find hard to believe. Uh, but let's say they haven't. Can you give some like sort of tricks of the trade? Like how best to make a reservation? When would you suggest coming in? Like is dinner your favorite? Brunch your favorite? Lunch your favorite? How do you how do you figure all of it now? I, you know, now that we're open for lunch five days a week, which pre-pandemic we only were open. For Wait, Friday. so but you're also doing brunch. So you're yeah. really open seven days a week. We are open seven days a week. Okay. Saturdays and Sundays we open at 930 um, Monday through Friday, we open up at noon. Um, lunch, you can come with a reservation. You can come as a walk-in, and okay. you'll likely get a seat without a wait. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly enjoy lunch, like a later lunch where you can have a couple cocktails and lazily get into dinner. We do rosé, but yeah. you do you. Cocktails, rosé. Rosé is wonderful, but mm-hmm. a, a nice uh, Hendrix martini is also really nice in the <laughs> afternoon. It's- so we're rolling home. Yeah, I see what's exactly. happening. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But lunch is great. Um, brunch, if you're getting there before, I'd say 10, 30, 11 o'clock, you can generally walk in without a reservation. Okay. Um, our reservations go live 30 days. in mm-hmm. it. I'm sorry, 28 days, not 30 days, 28 days in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, we are now on Resi, um, oh. which is a shift that happened, I think it's just over a month. Um, and one thing that's great about Resi, and Open Table does this, but I think Resi does No, a, you can do notify. Exactly. You can do notify. I agree. Um, and that's a big one, you know. Um, our, our notify list is, it's gigantic. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, if you get on it early enough, you can you can usually kind of get slid in. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Tell everybody where they can find you and uh, where they can find Le Diplomat. And yeah. we didn't even get into all the new things that are percolating. Yeah. So you'll see, like, I'm, I'm at all of the restaurants, so I'll be at... At Le Diplomat, I'll be at St. Anselm. Which I and also then love. Our, I, I love. That's a dinner to go to. Okay. That's we'll talk. So I have to have you back on. Yeah. Because we haven't talked about St. Anselm's. Yeah. We haven't talked about bread enough. Bread Alley. Yes, Bread Alley. And then we have the new restaurants coming. Three more coming. Okay, TBD. Yeah. Okay, tell everybody where they can find you. Le Diplomat's at 1601 14th Street Northwest. Mm-hmm. And I'll be around. Okay, and I'll see you at the Ramleys. Yes. Oh, I, sadly, I won't be there. Oh. But you can cheer Nabil on. Okay. Nabil's, you know, nominated for Best Employee. Yes, I know, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, I think that's what I'm announcing. Awesome. Because I'm one of the presenters. Well, hopefully you so say Nabil as right. the winner. I can't. I don't do that part. But um, I do open it up and then say who the winner is, so it. we'll find out. Okay. Uh, thanks so much. All right, Eileen. Yes. Bring it back. This hey. is like a... 
like when I sip this, it makes me think of an effervescent Jolly Rancher. Exactly. Right? That, I mean, that's that's what we want. We want to evoke feelings and memories mm-hmm. when we're making cocktails. I feel the same thing that chefs want to do when they're making their food. They want right. to take you back to a place. So saying that, mm-hmm. my next cocktail yes. is the Passion Guru. Oh, tell me Ooh, more. Fun. Okay. So this is my nod back to home. Mm-hmm. Vegas. Todd English's olives in the yes. Bellagio. Okay. I worked there. It's no longer there, right. unfortunately. Well, but you know, we moved. had an olives down here. Oh, I know. Okay. Okay. Steve Menino opened it. Yes. Very oh, my God. I know yes. Steve Menino. <laughs> Known him for 25 years. He is God, that's uncle a blast. to my child. Oh, my God. That's a blast from the yeah, past. Yeah. He is amazing. I've been and around And he's back way with too Todd long. English. So, congratulations. Oh. What yeah. are they doing? Well, I, can we? We could do some right, conversation. Off, all right. Off. off air. Off air. All right. We'll get <laughs> into it. But this is a... A nod back to the opening Olive's bartending team. Okay. So I worked at Bellagio in the corporate side of things. Mm-hmm. So I worked risk management. I understood how to assess all the risk for the, the hotel, Bellagio, and five other small companies that right. MGM owns. Uh-huh. But this is my nod back to Tanya, Todd Parmley, and A-Rod. So okay. this is got some vodka. I've changed it up a little bit. So I use a local vodka. Mm-hmm. Serious. Passion puree, Cointreau, lime juice, simple, and that is it. Pretty simple. Oh, it's very simple. I would pair this, and it would go perfectly with our lamb chops because our lamb chops have an orange mascarpone sauce that goes over top of it. And as we all know, Cointreau is an orange-flavored liqueur. So it just picks it up, works together. perfect. Okay, we're going to go to my next guest, but when we come back, I want to talk about how you're sort of crafting your cocktail menu to go with the Italian flavors coming out of the restaurant. Absolutely. Okay, great. You get to shaking. Perfect. And let's get Dalton on camera. Hello, hello. Hey, Dalton. How are you? Good. Good. So it's so nice to see you. And, you know, when I introduced you, we talked about Maguey Malate, which is a mezcal. And listen, I've been doing this show for 15 years. I've had mezcal. I've had tequila. I mean, we've had all those things. I mean, clearly I'm having cocktails right now because you can hear that shaking. But let's talk a little bit about the differences between mezcal and tequila and what what brought you to Oaxaca. Because you're like originally from Iowa, right? Correct. That's a long story, but first, uh, mezcal and tequila, I think the main difference, um, the most significant difference is tequila is a subset of mezcal. It uses blue Weber agave or tequilano, and mezcal uses any kind of agave. So you could say that there's 30 different types of agave that can make up mezcal, and Mm -hmm. blue Weber is one of those. Okay. And then from there- Wait, blue what? I'm sorry, you broke up. Blue what? Blue Weber. Blue Weber. So when I think of the agave, I'm thinking of like the big, right? The big like pod. I don't know how else to describe it, right? Yeah, they actually come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. Okay. They can be 14 feet tall. They can be one foot tall. They can be very spherical mm-hmm. or they can be very narrow and skinny. So all sorts of shapes and sizes. Okay. So what, how did you go about, let's talk about how you came from the States went to Oaxaca, and then decided that you needed to create these Mezcal products? I was studying in Germany, in Leipzig, Germany, mm-hmm. and an old friend came from Oaxaca, and she was like, this is the drink of the gods. 
This is a huge part of our culture. We drink it every single day before dinner, at dinner, after dinner. And I took a little drink of the, the water bottle and mm-hmm. didn't appreciate it. It wasn't terrible, but I was just like, that's really strong. I had a reaction that so many people, the first time they drink mezcal, they have the same reaction. They don't Smoke. quite understand it and they don't have the tools and context to appreciate it. Okay, wait, while you're talking, I yep. have to take a break. But before I do that, um, which one should I open so that people in studio can smell it and taste it? Um, why don't you open Give me the two. Habalit. Habalit? Give me one more. Habalit and the last one. Cucharillo, which is not an, a mezcal. It's a sotol. What is totally it? Different. A sotol. Okay, we'll get into that. Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to pass these around. This is uh, Nikki Nellis. I am Sans David Nellis for Father's Day. Uh, we'll be back in just a sec. Welcome back to Foodie and the Beast. We are discussing Mezcal from Oaxaca with uh, Dalton Cress, who is the founder of uh, Mugay Malate. So let's talk about how you put this product together. And then you have all these varieties. I mean, I've got all these varieties here in studio. So let's hear it. So from Germany, years later, two years later, I made it to Oaxaca, started drinking more and more mezcal, um, opened up my palate to it. But like my only intention was to not start a mezcal brand. I was looking for business opportunities, but the only requirement was I was not going to be another gringo that lands in Oaxaca and starts a mezcal brand. About a month into it, I went out to my first palenque or like backyard distillery, kind of like a moonshine setup. Okay. And the producer sticks his hand into the fermentation vat and apologizes that he's not going to be able to distill for about four more hours. He could tell from the temperature and the texture of the open air fermentation. Mm -hmm. And then we went out and saw these like 14 foot agaves. They were so majestic and huge. I got to know this producer, um, and he just comes from a, a lifestyle so different, you know, rural Mexico, all living in the same room with his four kids and wife, mm-hmm. no Wi-Fi, no internet, just a totally different sense of time and life. And it was so fascinating. And then we sat in his room and he had like 20 expressions, um, different agaves, different batches of the same agave. And I had enough to buy maybe two bottles. Okay. And so you just sit there and talk with your friends and figure out which bottle's the best. And it becomes very community-oriented and a discussion. But can we talk about what creates the different expressions? Like, is it the terroir? Is it the the kind of agave? Because you have all these varietals here. They're so unique. So how did you, how do you, how do you figure that out? It's like a hundred different variables, especially since it's open air fermentation, mm-hmm. whatever you are in the air that day are going to have a huge impact on the flavor as well as it's water sources that don't get distilled. So if it's rainy season versus not rainy season, that can have a huge impact. Sure. More than anything, <clears throat> it's the agave itself that's going to dictate the flavor. Mm-hmm. You have different agaves. And then even the same agave, one might be on a hillside and absorb the sunlight in a different way than one that's down in the valley. 
So every single batch is different. And then you have the human touch to it as well. So unlike, um, in contrast to Andrew, who said consistency was a huge part of their success, mm-hmm. what we celebrate in artisanal mezcal is the lack of consistency and the beauty behind never knowing what that batch is going to turn out and every batch being completely unique from the batch that came before it. Well, I think celebrating the uniqueness is important, right? Like in a restaurant, like Eva was saying, you know, it's important that there is consistency. That's what people look for. They don't want to be surprised. They want to know that the service is going to be good. The food is going to be good, that what they taste, you know, like she said, the omelet is going to be just as good at breakfast as it is in dinner. But when it comes to creating a product like a mezcal, letting the agave shine is probably the most important thing. Absolutely. Um, So lack of consistency on what you're going to taste, but the consistency for us comes in the trust our clients have in us to make sure we pick batches that are amazing quality Mm -hmm. and really interesting and expand their horizon of understanding what mezcal is. So that's where our consistency comes in is the selection process. We taste thousands of batches. Mm -hmm. We visited about 500 producers. Wow. And we have a very rather intensive selection process of which one's going to make it into the club to feature in October and September and November. Well, so that was going to be my question. I mean, how how do you guys differ from the other mezcals on market? I mean, 20 years ago, there wasn't a ton of mezcals and people really didn't know the difference between tequila and mezcal. And now, you know, there's now there's a lot of people who really love it. But how do you differentiate yourself at market? Sure. So that kind of goes back to the story I was telling in my first visit. Mm-hmm. I asked myself, why didn't I appreciate this when I was in Germany? And the answer was crystal clear. It was the context and the experience I had that day Mm -hmm. and seeing the plants and then tasting it. So I thought, why don't we put a QR code on every single bottle and they can have the experience that I had today. They can meet the producer, understand the process, get Mm. to know the plant and also the place. Where did this come from? So that was the first and most significant point of differentiation because every single bottle has a unique story both about the person and the batch the agaves that went into it Hmm. nobody else was doing that um and then the other point of differentiation is it's a subscription model which nobody was doing so a big problem people have when they go to bars especially if the bartender is undereducated or extremely busy Mm -hmm. Mescal do I drink of these 200 bottles on our back? And so we took that inconvenience away from the customer and said, this is what you're going to drink. We did our homework and you don't have to think about it. We're just going to deliver you amazing and diverse spirits. Mm -hmm. And we cover all of Mexico. It's not just Oaxaca. We go up to Bacanora, uh, Michoacan, Durango, Guerrero, Estado de Mexico, San Luis Potosi. So we're a brand that has 500 producers we've met and we have access to batches in every state of So let's talk about how the subscription works. How does that work? Every two months, Uh our club members receive a box in the mail 
It has like two this? bottles. Um, that's the club mini experience. I got the so club mini extra. experience. Okay. Cool. Equal value. Okay. Um, so the club is every two months and mm -hmm. it's two 375 milliliter bottles and a bonus bottle. Mm. And then the club mini is every four months and it represents just two boxes of the club. Mm -hmm. It's six mini bottles and it comes every four months. Okay. And then for each uh, producer, our entire social media is posting the interview we did with them and all the factoids that we gathered. And then at the end of the month, we all get on Zoom and we talk about it and taste it together. And sometimes we have guests and it creates this kind of sense of community and discussion, replicating what I experienced that first day at the Palenque when I had to sit there and decide what to buy. That's the Zoom experience. But what an incredible opportunity, because not only then do you get either two, two and a half bottles or a sampling of bottles with the subscription, but then to be able to participate in hearing the story. I mean, I love the QR code. I love that people can find out the story, but then with the sort of uh, person to person via Zoom, you're really able to learn more and sip more and understand the notes more. Like getting all of that, you're right, totally changes the experience of what you're drinking. I hear you. Um, can you please, it's been so good talking to you. Can you, and thank you for all these, everybody in studio is having a good time. Um, we, we're calling Uber for everyone. Can you please um, tell everyone where they can find out more about what you're doing and where they can get a subscription? Absolutely. It's magaymelate.com mm -hmm. slash subscriptions. So it's M-A-G-U-E-Y. M-E-L-A-T-E. -E. It means agave makes my heart beat, which means agave makes me excited. Magaymelate.com slash subscriptions. I love that. Thank you, Dalton. This was terrific. It was good chatting with you. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay, Eileen, I feel like Gauntlet Throne now. You're going to have to put some mezcal in your next cocktail. Funny you should say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> the next cocktail that I'm going to talk, to, uh, talk about is not necessarily a cocktail. It's a mocktail. Okay. Not everybody drinks, so we want to cater to everyone. Mm -hmm. So we call this, because I am a true baseball fan, mm -hmm. the first base. Okay. No first base, no alcohol. I mean, you know, in some places, first base means something else. I know. Okay. I know. That was what it, where it started. Okay. Origin stories always. Okay. But, um, first base, no alcohol. Uh-huh. Second base, add vodka. Uh-huh. A, a double, add vodka. Triple, add some uh, gin. Make it a home run and add some mezcal. Okay. And it's on my menu like that. And then, of course, go Nats because we're always rooting for the home team. Mm -hmm. But this one's got some, if we do it, the non-alcoholic way. Okay. It has some seed lip in it, which is a non-alcoholic spirit that is flavored. This one is the garden uh, variety of it. It's mm -hmm. fantastic. So definitely try that. Lemon juice, simple syrup. We always like to, or I always like to, when I'm adding cocktails, to cross-utilize things that are in our kitchen. So Great. I use some of the cherry juice uh, or cherry puree that we use on some of our desserts. Oh. Um, so we put that in there, some basil, some mint, shake Ooh, it up, have I love fun, little, throw mezcal, and I smelled and tasted one of the mezcals, which I think I'm going to add to it. So good. I'm excited about all of this. Have at it. Okay. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Yes. Thank you, Eileen. All right. Kevin Kelly. 
Step yes. up to the mic. <clears throat> All right. I know you're busy, dude. I know you are opening up a restaurant at this very moment. So we thank you for coming in studio with us today. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's good to have you. All right. So let's get a little of your 411. You have your fingers in a lot of pots. You're a lawyer. You're an entrepreneur. You're a restaurateur. Can we just get like, a, I don't want to spend too much time like on your trajectory, but how did you go from lawyer to opening up restaurants? You know, like many people, I love to eat. And mm-hmm. so a chance came to invest in restaurants. I mean, restaurants. I love to eat. I don't know. I don't have a restaurant, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, a chance came to invest in restaurants, so I invested in one, but I liked it so much. I said, I think I can do this thing on my own. And so that led to Kitchen and Cocktails by Kevin Kelly in Dallas, Chicago. And now we're in D.C. This is our opening weekend. Okay, so, you're like yada, yada, yada. I'm sorry. Let me slow, slow it down. down for you. Ooh, take a deep breath. Okay, so you started in Dallas. Correct. Let's talk about what your concept is. I'll start there. Great. Uh, my concept is a comfort food concept. So we have catfish, shrimp and grits, uh, mac and cheese, yams. It's a southern restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so our goal is to bring southern food to the best locations in the country. So when you were in Dallas, were you like, yeah, nobody's serving this and doing it right here? Like, did you see a hole that you felt needed to be filled? For sure. You know, I believe that a lot of places have comfort food. But what we've done is we always bring our locations to centralized places. So in downtown Dallas, we're in a building that I own that's in the center of the city. Okay, so you got to own the building. Yeah, so in the Chicago location, we're in River North, which is Mm -hmm. downtown Chicago. I was just there last week. You were? James Beard Awards, dude. You should have went to the restaurant. Well, I... I was there for the James Beard Awards. Okay. So I wasn't able to, but well, I will be back next Next time, year. you got to come from my restaurant. <laughs> Wait, of course. Ooh, that's so pretty. Thank and then you. in uh, D.C., we're actually at 1300 I Street Northwest, Franklin mm-hmm. Square. We're not too far from the White House. And so, again, that's another centralized location. We have the best food, but our bars are always marble. Okay, um, hold on one sec. I got to take a break. Okay, no And I worries. feel like you're gauntlet throwing with the best food. So hold on one second. All right, let's do it. This is Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. Welcome back to Foodie and the Beast with Nikki Nellis. We are talking to Kevin Kelly of his new restaurant, Kitchen and Cocktails by Kevin Kelly. And I just want to be clear, it's the four Ks, Kitchen, Cocktails by Kevin Kelly. So, Kevin, you just opened in D.C. What made you come to D.C.? What was it about what's happening here? Because we have a vibrant restaurant scene that you were like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. For sure. You know, we talked about gauntlet throwing earlier, Mm -hmm. and I said I've got the best comfort food in the country. And one of the best ways to prove yourself is to go to the biggest and the best cities and say, hey, here's my product. I think you're going to like it. I think it's going to be good. And Dallas Mm. has received us well. Chicago has received us well. And, you know, D.C. has been fantastic so far. Well, that's good to hear because, you know, we're a a picky bunch. You are. We're finicky, especially to outsiders. We, I mean, I can tell you stories. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years. So how are you going to not only bring amazing food here to the city, but how are you going to sort of like find your people, get your word out? And like, I'd love to know more of your story about the food you're serving because you're a restaurateur, you're not a cook. So how are you coming up with the menu? How are you working with the people who work for you to execute the food in the style you want? Well, you know, the menu started with things that I like. Um, okay. What I where believe is comfort food. I'm from Dallas originally, from oh, Dallas, okay. Texas. And so that's where the catfish, the shrimp and grits, the yams come in. When I created this restaurant in my mind or with the planning, I was living in Europe at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I would spend 10 days in a, a month in America working. And then 20 days I would be in either Spain or I would be in France. And so that's so what the paella and the baguettes and butter. It just wasn't good enough for you. You, you 100% get it. That was not good enough. for me. <laughs> okay. So I said, I'm going to start my own restaurant. And that's where this came from. But, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of coming to D.C. and come, being an outsider, I don't look at it that way. You know, D.C. is 
um, not just for uh, Washingtonian. It's his nation's capital. I'm an American, um, mm-hmm. and I'm in D.C., and I'm here to do well. And, you know, beyond that, there are so many people from D.C. that will come to our Dallas location and Chicago location and say, we want your restaurant in D.C. Mm-hmm. And that was some of the push that led us to being here. But, you know, we've got 150 people that we've hired. Uh, the staff has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. We're 10,000 reservations in, even though we opened How on yesterday. How big is the restaurant? Yeah, the restaurant is 12,000 square feet. Okay, so and how many seats are we talking? We're talking 300 seats. Okay, And so wow. again, with 10,000 bookings already set, you know, we're excited about what we're going to do. We've got a fantastic team of people from D.C. that are doing an awesome job. And even mm-hmm. my, my opening team that's flown in from Dallas, Chicago, and from my other concepts, uh, they've done a good job, too, and things wait, have wait, been wait. well. How many other concepts have you got there? Yeah, I own Kitchen and Cocktails by Kevin Kelly. I own the Kelly Law Firm. I also have a nightclub called uh, Club Vivo which is a Latin nightclub. It's about 20,000 square feet in Dallas. And so the best of my best people from all those locations are here in D.C. working to make sure we can put our best foot forward. Okay, that's amazing. And what are we looking at? Are we doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner, just dinner, dinner, lunch? What's the the long-term plan? Good question. So during the week, we're open for lunch service. Can I stop you? Sure you can. Of course I'm good at asking questions. I've been asking it. questions for the last hour. I'm going to do a okay. decent at answering. I'm All right, let's try. hear it. <laughs> yeah, so we're open for uh, lunch during the week okay. and obviously dinner as well. Mm-hmm. And on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, brunch is our biggest time. Okay, brunch what is- are we going to do for brunch? Like since with your nightclub background, are we going to bring in a DJ? Like are we going to amp it up? What are we going to do? Well, yeah, that's, that's the good thing with the concept. And so it's not just the food, but it's also the decor of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, our restaurant is very Instagrammable. We spent over $100,000 just on floral displays in the space. Um, beyond that, also, we always keep DJs in our restaurant. Also, okay, what does Instagrammable mean? I mean, I'm on Instagram at yeah. NYCCINELLIS. Yeah. So, what are we doing? Like, what am I taking pictures of while I'm there? What do you want to see on my Instagram feed from your restaurant? Awesome. Well, I'm on Instagram at, at Attorney Kevin Kelly. And when you come to Instagram, when I say Instagrammable, when you come to my restaurant, and you go down our stairway, we have a floral display, and it's completely red roses from the walls to the ceiling, and it has our logo there. So women take photographs there all the time. No guys? When, Where are the guys? Yeah, you know, guys Guys usually have to take the photographs of the women. Okay. <laughs> but we also have a complete greenery wall as well that says grass is greener at Kitchen and Cocktails. And so Cute. that's something there, too. We have photo booths. I mean, we have a lot of things. So you can not only dine, but you can have fun with your experience, too. And that's why people have gravitated to the restaurant and why we've been fortunate enough to have success. I love that. Now, let's talk about the cocktails. Yes. it's kitchen and cocktails. Mm-hmm. I understand that you're doing catfish and yams. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm very excited for the yams because I love yams. Um, what are we doing for cocktails? How you know, are you doing cocktails here in the city? Uh, OMG, you are asking all the best questions. Now, mm-hmm. going on with that, that's why we've had success, too, because we don't just focus on the food. Our cocktails are important. Mm-hmm. Our number one seller is a peach douce frozen, and we sell oh that God, frozen Princess Polly. out of a douce bottle. And okay. people love that for appearance purposes and for photographs. Mm-hmm. We have a 24-karat gold mimosa tower that I've seen right now with my staff that people are buying for brunch right now. Okay, what is it? Wait, what is it? What's a mimosa tower? It is a mimosa tower that looks like a cava sangria when you talk about Spain. It's, it's, it's mimosa, it's fruit in there, but it also has edible gold also, and so it sparkles. But beyond that, we uh-huh. also have a drink called the True Flame, which is made tableside. And it's a um, rum-based drink with 151, and we set that on fire, and we have the flame go back and forth. And so, I mean, the the, the drinks are good. I mean, the, if you don't want to come for my food, I'm not going to hold it against you, but you've got to come for my drinks. Okay. If you don't like my food, you don't like my drinks, you're going to like our DJ. You're going to like our restaurant for okay, one so reason wait, or another. Okay, so wait, when is the DJ? The DJ's when? The DJ is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Nights or days? Nights. Okay. Oh, day as well on Saturday and Sunday for yeah, our for brunch, brunch, because brunch has to be popping. 
Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm leaving here to go to brunch now. Are you coming with me? I can't come. You've got to come with me. I am not today, go to, another I, day. I am definitely coming for brunch, kitchen, without a doubt. Kitchen Cocktails DC. Kitchen Cocktails with a K DC. You've got to come. Okay, you got it. All right. Tell us where we can find you once again on Instagram and all the all the socials. And where we're all taking pictures. I need the flaming cocktail on fire. Like, I need to see that picture. You come to the restaurant. I'm going to personally make it for you. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Kitchen Cocktails DC. That's Kitchen Cocktails with a K. DC, um, we'd love to have you at the restaurant. The food is good. The drinks are good. But most importantly, we're happy to serve. And so if you come to us, um, the first thing that we always say is welcome home because my restaurant's your restaurant and we can't wait to serve all the Washingtonians and people coming to visit. Excellent. Well, it sounds like um, a party, which I'm totally up for at the moment. Um, so that's great. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Eileen, let's bring it home. All right. So, you know, one of the things we didn't get to is how you've developed your cocktail menu and make it match with um, the restaurant and the food because it is an Italian-forward restaurant. Correct. So let's hear it. Well, what I do, like I said before, it is about evoking memories and thoughts and and feelings in everybody. That's why we go out. It's a social atmosphere Mm -hmm. to go out to a restaurant to eat and drink. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do, especially um, I have another cocktail that is called the Thickest Thieves. Because we are thick as thieves there at Il Piotto. Okay. We are a team through and through. So we use the pear uh, syrup that we use on our pear and kamicha. It's a salad. It's a poached pear and uh, radicchio um, salad with goat cheese, toasted walnuts. It's amazing. Fantastic. But we take that and we pair it with... In, into a cocktail. Mm-hmm. So everything has a thought. Mm-hmm. Everything, like I said earlier, you hear a, a lyric on a, on a song. I said a rap song because one of my cocktails in previous years was uh, New Jack Swing. Okay. If you get that reference, I love you. If you don't, look it up. Okay. Um, but it is that thought process that we all have in mm-hmm. putting into the passion, the love, the the organization of creating something mm-hmm. that we love but also the people love. Right. So we were talking, he was just talking about how fun brunch is, and I'm going. So right. everyone's got to meet me over there. We're okay. going to go. <laughs> we're going to have a party. I will tell you, Il Piatto's brunch is uh, outrageous. Mm-hmm. So most places, and I love the the spin on brunch over there, we do a spin also. We do right. bottomless brunch, three courses, bottomless mimosas, mm-hmm. and we have most places go with the one or two flavors, the basic flavors. I'm sorry, basics. But... I love to rotate my flavors. I have 10 to 12 flavors on every single weekend, and I change them. And you can, if you're in the know, you know, get the Eileen. It's a lychee strawberry blend. It's amazing. Oh, yum. All right. That sounds terrific. Yeah. All right. What are you making us for our last drink? It is the Thickest Thieves. It has Tricol. I'll make it right now. Okay. It's got um, Tricol in it, which is a new uh, spirit. It is from Patagonia. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then it's got the pear syrup in it and some lemon, and it also has um, some dashes of cardamom bitters. So Yum. make it have fun. Excellent. All right, tell All everybody, right. please, Eileen, where we can find you and the restaurant online so, and Yes, uh, yes, person. Il Piatto DC, mm-hmm. at Il Piatto DC, I-L-P-I-A-T-T-O, mm-hmm. DC. And then we are at 900... Oh, my God. <laughs> 916th Street, <laughs> right. one block from the White House. Yeah. Come and 
spend some time on our patio, please. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I want to thank everybody for coming in studio today. This was such a great conversation about what's happening in the industry. We have a 10-year-old restaurant. We have a brand new restaurant. We have brand new mezcals and a subscription that you should get in on. And then we have Il Piatto, which actually opened during the pandemic, uh, but is here in studio today pouring cocktails. I want to thank everybody uh, for joining us and listening in today. A couple of things. Don't forget the Rammies are coming up. I am going to be there presenting per usual. Uh, Over 2,000 of the industry's best are there to receive awards, and it's so much fun to be a part of. July 9th, it's happening. Follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, LinkedIn. And don't forget YouTube now for the new show, Industry Night, out of the Wine Lair Hotel. Uh, Andy, am I missing anything? I think I got it. All right, everybody, don't forget. Take your kindness pills before you go out. Everybody wants you to have a good time at those restaurants, but you got to be kind. Kindness begets kindness. Uh, Be safe out there and have a delicious week.